0: Apologize for being late. I my Well probably not the same one. I need to know they were late, so I tell you what. I do have a simple handout here. Is Katie here? Oh boy, blank paper. Two blank papers. I'll let you hand them. We're getting ready to go, so I went to the printer to pull the things out, and uh, lo and behold, the printer was out of paper, so I had to wait on the print. Anyway, should have checked them earlier, I guess. Psalm 100 is where <clears throat> we're going to be this morning. Going to continue with the kind of the general subject, which is obviously very common in the Psalms of worshiping the Lord. Um, We'll see some of the things that we saw in principle. Maybe you could say in Psalm Psalm 145. You can see them in practice here, Uh, and I'll explain maybe a little more of that when we when we get there but if you remember Psalm 145 the we saw there really the what i would say is a good biblical um overview maybe or just concept of worship and real i mean there's different things you could say about worship but in at the really the very heart of it the essence of worship is We make him big, obviously we can't make God big, but we magnify him, we desire, that's the idea, is we desire that he is magnified, we are humbled, we're low, and that results in then we express praise for him, we brag on him, we say good things of him, and about Him, and to Him. And by the way, we should say good things to God. That's uh, part of our, I I think you could say, responsibility, simply as being part of His creation, but also because we who are saved, we have the, the double responsibility of being redeemed, so we are His by not just being created by Him, but also we've been bought by Him, redeemed by Him. And so, <clears throat> that, that I think you could see in Psalm 145 presented there. That's really the, that, again, just the concept, the essence of what worship is. You could define it different ways, as um, I, I gave several ideas of that. I mean, some would say it's rendering praise to God, it's, you know, uh, doing things for Him, uh, loving Him, trying to please Him. Uh, knowing what God wants and giving him what he wants. That's, that's uh, the way that I, a preacher I know defines that. I mean, but all that's wrapped up really in that idea that we're low, we desire for him to be high, and that's going to result in something that we praise him. All right, And so really, again, worship. And, and as we, I said we could see worship in practice in this psalm, Um, partly a number of there's there's actions we're going to get to those here uh, in a few minutes but there's some actions activities whatever you might say in this psalm that you can see that can be part of worship all right Um, and so uh, Psalm 100 there's only five verses not even enough for everybody to read so let's do this This is always a challenge, all right? But let's try it. There's only five verses, so it can't get too bad, I wouldn't think. But let's try to read this in unison, all right? That, that's always a difficult thing in, in public, really, but let's try to do that. Psalm 100, try to follow my lead in that, all right? So, Psalm 100, verse 1, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Now, As we read that, hopefully you can see that that really the the aspects, that concept of worship that we were just talking about that we saw in Psalm 145, hopefully you can see that there. I mean, uh, when you think about it that way, it kind of just jumps out to you, I think, as you read this, but uh, you can see that. Let's go ahead and we'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll, we'll jump into this here this morning. All right. Father thank you for uh, your word thank you for uh, just again all of your great goodness to us and Lord I pray that you'd help me I pray that you'd help each of us to um, learn in our lives to truly worship you Uh, it's a a great responsibility that we have Um, I confess I fall far short of it many times and, uh, Father, I pray that you would help us, though, help us to be able to practice this because it's a very powerful, powerful um, element uh, in our, that can be in our lives, and we, we just pray you'd help us now. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and for his sake we pray, amen. Uh, again, I, I was going to review some of those words that we saw in Psalm 145 and just again relate them to this, this psalm. I'm not going to review those words, though, just for, for time's sake. But um, remember the concept. Again, desire for him to be big. We humble ourselves. We're low. And that results in and, and it will have aspects of somehow or another bragging on him, bragging about him, bragging to him. All right? Not on us, but on what he's done. And again, if you keep those concepts in mind as, you, as we read through that psalm, you can see those things right here may not be worded exactly the same, and if time permits, I want to go to a New Testament passage this morning as well. I mentioned that at the end last week, we didn't have time to. But uh, again, n- worded nothing the same, but the idea is right there if we if we look at it. So, all right. So worship, worship. Uh, uh, is is an important aspect that should be an important aspect of our lives. In fact, I think many times we fall short of it. I know I do. Um, I think we, we often really don't even think about trying to worship God many times um, because we, we get so caught up in, in things um, and doing things and life and whatever that we just don't take the time and make the effort to Uh, truly worship God. You remember the the title, the psalm title in 145? It was what? David's Psalm of Praise. Notice this one here uh, in Psalm 100, if your Bible has those titles, it's just simply a psalm of praise. Now, the word praise in 145 and here are different words though. This word, this particular, excuse me. In 145, it was it was the idea that it's related to the, to the word hallelujah, remember, giving you know, praise to God, praise Him. Here, the, the word praise in the title is a word that has to do with, uh, it, it can often, in fact, oftentimes, it's rendered give thanks. It's, it's a little bit different word, so it's kind of a more encompassing kind of word here. But so, in a general sense, it's a psalm of praise. And... In this psalm, just just first of all, first part of your outline there that you have, just just kind of giving, looking at an overview, if you want to say, of the psalm, you can see the pattern of praise in the psalm here, all right? The first couple verses basically call us to worship God. It's it's an invitation, a call out, an imperative, all right, that, all right, come worship God is the idea. And then in verse 3, so verses 1 and 2, you see calls to worship. Verse 3, tell us why he deserves our worship. Notice just simply verse 3 says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Now it goes on, but just stop for a second and think about that. If that's all it said, that would be plenty enough reason that we should worship him, right? I mean, we're talking about God. And then... The verse goes on, though, it says, It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. All right? Again, there's, we'll we examine some of those statements in a few min, minutes, but it just simply, it, it tells us, it gives us a lot of reason there why He deserves our worship. And then in verse 4, you can see that we're told to worship, all right, with thanksgiving. Now... Um, we had previously mentioned that, you know, strictly speaking, there is a difference between praising God and thanking God. Now, both, obviously, are part of worshiping God, and both are good things, but thanksgiving, of course, is more related to us responding to what God has done for us, provided for us, etc., whereas praise, strictly speaking, is focusing just on who He is. And so there's a difference in the two, but both are important, both are necessary in our lives if we're going to really, truly worship God. And here in this psalm, we're told to to incorporate thanksgiving into our worship. By the way, thanksgiving is a powerful thing. Thanksgiving, if we... purposefully focus on thanksgiving in our lives it will draw us to worshiping God it really will I mean because again why why would we not worship God If you think about it I mean it's probably because we would become self-centered we would you know be focused on us our things and all remember what what worship is is he's big we're small all right but so when we, thank, when we purposefully thank the Lord, when we practice thanksgiving, it obviously draws our hearts to the Lord and helps put things in perspective that we realize, okay, he really deserves, I mean, he's done so much, right? I mean, for us and, you know, so we are to worship the Lord with thanksgiving. And then verse five gives us some more reasons why we should be thankful, right? So, verse 5, why we should be thankful, all right, so that's kind of just a big picture of this psalm, although it's not a very big psalm, five verses, but notice uh, Roman numeral number 2, notice the activities of worship that are invoked in the psalm, and this is where we'll spend most of our time, and gives opportunity here for everybody to participate, okay? Okay. I'm trying to think, remember how I, all right, I just have numbers there, and I got one through eight because the way I wrote mine down, there's eight, although some of them, you might look at them a little different and break them up into more or whatever, but anyway, there should be at least eight things that you can see in this psalm that are involved in that you can do to worship God. Now, here's the thing. Remember again when we were talking about Psalm 145, I tried to emphasize the fact that worship is not necessarily actions. Actions can be involved in worshiping God, okay? But in other words, people, for instance, uh, in the Old Testament, all right, let's pick on the Jews. Uh, In the Old Testament, oftentimes, particularly, Later, and particularly like in in the prophetic books and so on, you see statements from God that basically, and I'll paraphrase, but He's tired of Israel bringing their sacrifices because their heart's far from Him. They're just gone through the motions is the idea. I mean, they're doing things, they're doing activities that were prescribed to do, but those activities are empty, empty empty or useless without the heart being engaged and you know the right desire and so on often again how many churches across america this morning are people in doing things going through rituals or going through whatever people do in their churches believing or thinking you okay I'm doing my duty Uh, I'm, I'm doing these things we're worshiping God but their hearts not really there in fact sometimes you know have you ever caught yourself singing the songs in in church and your minds you know a million miles away so to speak is singing to the Lord a form of worship certainly is it's a biblical form of worship but again how are you worshiping God if you're just mouthing words that you know by heart? It's just an auto response kind of thing, right? And your mind's thinking about whatever. I mean, and again, I'm not trying to be overcritical because we all do it. I mean, it's just it's just us. I mean, it's part of human nature, right? And we're selfish at heart and and all this kind of thing. So we need to be reminded, and this psalm reminds us that there are things we can do to worship the Lord. But again, I want to stress that. If the heart isn't in this, then it's not really worship, okay? So the heart is essential, but there are things we can do, activities, so to speak, actions we can perform that can worship the Lord. That's that's the point, all right? So notice some of the activities of worship invoked in this psalm. And again, I just have, oh, I didn't even have, okay. I I just have numbers there, but look at verse 1. All right, just verse 1, and this is open for anybody to, to uh, participate here. What, what kind of actions can you see in verse 1 or action that, would, uh, that you could say is a form of worship? It's a, it's a way to worship God that's mentioned in verse 1. All right? Make a joyful noise, and of course it's unto the Lord. All right? That's, it's got to be directed to Him. It's for him, something you're giving him, bringing him, all right? So make a joyful noise. The, it's interesting that it's the, the, the word here is the idea to shout, to raise a sound. Make a sound is the idea, but it, it's a joyful sound. Cry out, give a blast. Now, probably everybody has been in uh, let me I want to think about be, and say this carefully here, okay? But uh, our church here is not what I would consider to be a very loud, boisterous uh, way of service. Okay, I mean, and you understand what. I, Probably everybody here at some point or another has been in a situation like that. All right? Um, and here's the thing is it wrong for people to shout? I mean, last Sunday morning when you were talking about preaching, different styles you know, the, the guy who jump, runs jumps up on the chairs and all this. I mean, is that wrong? Not necessarily. Can it be? Yeah. But again, heart, motivation, and so on is, is that. When I think of a preacher like that, several of you know who I'm talking about when I say the name Rufus Edmonston. I mean, he, he's one that comes to mind that is, you know, and, and as far as I know, he's probably, you know, genuine and, and all of that. But He does some interesting things at times, and you just really never know what he's going to do, to be honest with you. Um, but if other people did that, it would definitely be wrong, because it's just, it's not, you know, it, it's an obvious impersonation or something like that. But, so, <laughs> to shout, to pray, I mean, that's, this, this command here, that's really what it's about, is shouting to the Lord. Now, in a church the size of Lehigh Valley Baptist Church, a few hundred people, there's a lot more variety of people there that and some do different things. Some of the people that have been, been there in the past, I can think of that would shout out a lot and stuff like that. And others not. but again, you know, if that's genuine, if that's a person's heart, that's how uh, you know some people are a lot more emotionally expressive than others, okay? Uh, but but this is a command to shout to the Lord. So, but it's a way we can invoke worship, that we can praise Him. Now, again, should never be done for show, and perhaps the setting of this would be in private. So, you know, it's not a public display. It's something between you and the Lord, all right. But obviously, it would be the idea of of. A heart that's directed toward wanting God to get praise. Huh? White boy? (laughs) We had a similar experience one time, although I wasn't preaching there. But anyway, we were one of four, no, six white faces in a sea of I don't know how many hundreds of of uh, darker-skinned Christians, and that was a very expressive service as well. But again, that's you know, if if we try to mimic that, that would all be all it would be really you know, again, it's not. Uh, It's the heart that matters, again, but making a joyful noise. All right, now, a second. Can you see another action? Probably best jump down to verse 2. What's an action that we can see here that's associated here in this psalm with worshiping God? All right, serve the Lord. Now, the phrase with gladness is attached to that, all right, but serve Him. Now, excuse me, the word serve has the idea to labor, to work. Um, Somebody designated this word, associated it with, with, uh, translated it worship, all right? I I don't really see that directly, but serving the Lord. We we can worship God by serving Him. And again, if we truly desire to worship Him, we're going to serve Him. All right, um, what else can you see uh, in verse two still? All right, come before his presence with singing, and maybe you would break that up as coming before him and then a second with singing, but it's, it is attached in the same phrase here. But the, the word come before here is an interesting word to look up. I mean, it, it does mean that it's the idea of come in, to enter, to come into, um, but here's an, that's an interesting concept when you think about it. We're talking about God, right, the creator, but yet we're invited to come into his presence. I mean, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. You, you know, in ancient times, you can read in the book of Esther, I think about this, you know, Artaxerxes, right, when somebody came you know, generally you didn't just go before the king, right? I mean, in fact, they had a practice that if you did come in, you had to be officially welcomed with that scepter or, you know, you're gone. Now think about this. How much higher is God than any emperor that's ever been on this earth? Persian empire was a vast empire. I read a lot for whatever reason. It's one of those things, sometimes I get drawn to something and then, but I read a lot of things this week about uh, Persia and Greece and the conflicts between them for years before Alexander finally conquered the Persians, but the Persian empire was vast. And uh, they, had a, they had a good system of governance over the, the, their areas and so on as well, but it lasted for hundreds of years too. Hundreds of years, longer than Babylon and longer than the Greek empire. Not quite as long as the Romans, but, um, but anyway, whatever that's worth, got derailed there with or sidetracked with coming into his presence, right? Coming into his presence. I mean, think about this. If Andy Follett got the notion to go to the White House to talk to the president, it's not gonna happen. I mean, you gotta have an invitation to come in. So, again, the point is, and we've got to move on here, but we're, we're told to come before His presence, right? But you realize, again, this is true, that not just everybody can come into the presence of God. There are conditions for that. And, number one, we need to be saved. And when a person is saved, they are no longer alienated estranged in fact they're welcomed they're accepted now it's because of Christ but they're accepted in God's presence because of Christ what a what an amazing thing but coming before him and then again it has singing here come before him with singing now the idea again would be your heart all right your heart is is wanting God to be praised wanting to thank him singing in fact you, you think about this many of the songs that we sing oftentimes there're songs that have to do with thanking god right a testimony something that because of what god has done we're singing about that and it's it's expressing joy and thanksgiving sometimes there are songs there are songs in our in our songbook that are focused more on just you know, praising Him, just talking about who He is. And, and both, of course, are appropriate, but we're told to come before Him with singing, all right? Uh, a fourth action. What is a fourth action that you can see uh, in this psalm? I have mine listed in verse 3 as well. yes no i mean this is a in a way knowing is kind of innate but at the same time it is an action as well Know. i said verse three as well i guess the other was in verse two so verse three know that he is god that's a that i mean getting to know him right? Drawing close to him, that's kind of part of, you know, the desire to come into his presence and so on, the fellowshipping, devotion, communion, but at the same time, knowing him. You know, the more, the more that we learn, how are we going to know about God? Let me back up for a second. How are we going to know about God? How are we going to know God? Well, through his word. Because, I mean, we could sit here and many people have erred and strayed by this concept of just trying to think about God but coming up with ideas of their own that's a false God if it's not biblical and by the way that's how you know there are some people that just can't imagine how God how God could have ever even thought about creating hell and you know well that's because their focus is not on what the Bible says, it's on their thinking, right? And, you know, and obviously Jesus said God created hell for a reason, for the devil and his angels. But, obviously, there will be men in hell. There are men in hell right now. There will be people in the lake of fire for eternity. But, again, it's one of those things, what I'm getting at, and a lot of people, there are, there are people that have a, you know, they, they can't imagine how one God can be Father, Son, and Spirit. They get wrapped up, they're hung up, if you want to say, on human rationale, instead of taking what the Bible says at face value obviously, think about this for a second. There are things about God that we cannot, and I mean cannot, fully understand because he's God. If we could understand everything about God, he wouldn't be all that great and big, would he? I mean, we're humans. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. I mean, we can't, in this life, and I don't know, I don't know for sure if in heaven we'll fully appreciate everything about God, but the point is, He's God. We can't understand, but when He says, This is what He is, this is what He's like, that is what He's like, that is what He is, whether we can understand it or not. That's just like the person of Christ God. Eternal God who became man. Now he's God-man. How do you really understand all that? I mean, that can get, that's pretty complex if we try and just rationalize everything out. But it's what the Bible says. And so we must believe that if we're going to worship him properly. If we have false ideas about God, we're not worshiping him properly. And so, know that He is God. We need to obviously not just know the fact He's God, but know Him, get to know Him, know about Him. The better we know Him, the better we'll be able to worship Him and give Him His due, so to speak, right? Know that He's God, the Creator. Uh, In fact, in Verse 3, again, you might break these down a little bit maybe, but just simply know that the Lord, He is God. It's He that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. We'll get back to some of those statements in another section here. But that in itself is plenty of reason why we should worship Him. Um, So number five, a fifth action here. I jumped down to verse 4 on my list here, but what are other actions you can see here about how we can worship Him, activities invoked in worship? Verse 4. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. I think that's what you said. But again, thanksgiving is can be different than praising him but yet it's involved in worshiping him and if we strictly try to just praise him and not give thanks then obviously we're, we're skewed and and off there because again the better we know him know ourselves we're going to be thanked we're going to we're going to be th- we're going to be thankful uh for uh all the the goodness of god to us but enter into his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise be thankful so i i listed separately enter into his courts with praise you see the, the idea of thanksgiving you see the idea of praising him all right uh and the the word praise in verse 4 is literally a song or hymn of praise um it's it's uh, again, I would say specifically differentiated from thanksgiving in that it's focused on him, his person, who he is, all right? But also, thanksgiving, both are included here. Uh, What's a, a, so I I had that listed on mine as number six. Number seven, what's what's another, uh, it, it might seem kind of repetitive, but in verse four, you see it again, be what? Be thankful unto him and, I keep losing my place here, and bless his name. That was what I listed as number eight there. Bless his name. Again, keep in mind that the idea of blessing his name is for us to be humble and speaking well of him. All right? And here it's interesting that it says bless his name. You realize, and this is a this by the way is a powerful study, but just how do you know a lot of what we can know about God is revealed to us through the many names that are given by God in the Bible about Himself. Um, it's a it's a, a wonderful thing. Um but bless his name. Again, humbly speak well of his name. All right. Um, I'm debating about whether to take time to do this right now. Let me. Let's do this for a second. Go over to Philippians chapter four. Hold your place in Psalm 100. You saw, you see a lot of emphasis in this psalm so far on giving thanks, right? You, you see that, of course, praising him, giving thanks, and so on, and. When you think of giving thanks, usually, again, that's a response for what we perceive to be the good things that we experience and receive from God, all right? For instance, one of the most common things that we probably thank, can thank God for is for the fact that He's saved us. I mean, that's right to do. We probably don't do it enough, by the way, but think about that. he's done something for us, all right? He's intervened in our lives in such a way that he's got our attention from the the path that we're on, focused on, on us, got our attention, and he's provided a way that we could be saved. He's done it all, right? We just have to turn to him, right? And so When we think of thanksgiving, again, in a way, don't take this wrong because I don't thank God enough, but what I'm getting at is, in a way, it's kind of easy to thank God for those blessings, for the good things, okay? And I'm, I'm including this here because I think this is an activity or a, a, a part of worship that is one of the most difficult things to include in my life in our lives all right in Philippians 4 look at verse 4 beginning in verse 4 you're familiar with the verses right rejoice in the Lord always now just stop for a second the phrase rejoice in the Lord does that have some reminiscence of Psalm 100 it does right But notice it says, rejoice in the Lord, what's the next word? Always, and again, I say rejoice, reiterating it again. Now, what does it mean to rejoice? All right, joy is not the same as happiness, all right? Happiness, I look at, as more of an emotional thing. It comes and goes all right, based on things of life and so on. Joy, on the other hand, is listed in Galatians 5 as what? It's part of the fruit of the Spirit, an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. So it's a result of us submitting to the Holy Spirit and what He does in our lives then. He produces joy, right? As, it's not all, but He produces joy, okay? So, The word rejoice is a verb, though. It's an action, right? Rejoice. Practice joy. Let joy be full in your life. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, what's that next word? Always. And again, I say rejoice. In other words, what what does always mean? Rejoice in the Lord? Always. at all times always right it's not contingent on our circumstances this is difficult this is again this is that hard-living easy preaching stuff but rejoicing in the Lord always it's it's an effort it's an action now it's going to be we can do it because of the Holy Spirit in our lives but it's something we are responsible to do. That's what I'm getting at. Rejoice. Now, the key here is, notice it doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances. It's to be always, but it's, the focus is what? Rejoice in the Lord. So, again, no matter what our circumstances, is the Lord still the Lord? Is He still who He's always been and who He'll always be? Yeah. So rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, let your moderation, your, your gentleness is the idea, be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. He's nigh. Be careful, anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So think about this. When it's hard to rejoice, what should we do? Take it to the Lord, Right verse 6 be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication and then it says with thanksgiving so the thanksgiving comes in to remind us although this seems to be a dark day you know what we still have a lot to thank the lord for he still is our savior he still promises to sustain even if it's a difficult thing a difficult time I mean, again, you see all this, and I'm trying not to get too bogged down here, but he says, uh, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. It's not wrong to cry out to God. In fact, hold your place here just to, that thought, go back to Psalm 100 for just a second, all right? If you're, on my Bible, it's on the same page. That's why I said go back to Psalm 100, but look at Psalm 102 for a second, just right there. The title is A Prayer of the Afflicted. When he is overwhelmed and poureth out his complaint before the Lord. Now, I'm just going to read the title, that's all, and go back to Philippians. Think about that. Is (laughs) Is it ever wrong to pour out a complaint to the Lord? That's different than complaining. I mean, in other words... We are all going to face circumstances, situations that are going to seem hopeless and helpless. But yet again, we should direct it to God, to Him. He is the one. Rejoice in the Lord. Not in your circumstances. Um, In... uh, The life of me, I can't think of the reference now, anyway, my mind just goes blank, but uh, oh, James 1, All right, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Count it joy. That means to regard it as joy. Why would you? How can you? Well, it says, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience, In other words, Remind ourselves, all right, again, of the truth and regard it or count it as joy because we know God's at work in our lives. That's, again, that's a difficult thing to do. You know, the natural response is to complain, to want to push back from that. But yet, again, and, and... there are times when, again, it's right, I mean, and God just sometimes, maybe he simply wants us to be at the point where we're, to remind us maybe to, we, we cry out to him. We pour out our complaint, as Psalm 102 says, to him so that he can draw us close and remind us of who he is and who we are and what he wants to do in our lives and so on. and, and in, in Philippians 4, let me let me keep reading here for just a second. In fact, for time's sake, I'm going to, you, you could read. In fact, later on, if you want to, read all the way down through verse uh, 13 in here, but just um, jump down to verse 12 for a second, or 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Whatever condition I am in right now is what the word state. It doesn't mean whether it's Ohio or... Pennsylvania or Alaska or whatever, but whatever condition, whatever state of life I'm in right now, Paul says he's learned to be content. Be, because again, the focus in our lives shouldn't be our circumstances, it should be the Lord. And if the Lord's always with you, there's reason to always be content. Um, he says, I know both how to be abased, how to be humbled. I know how to abound. In other words, he's learned to be able to live high, so to speak, to live good. Uh, probably wasn't all that many times in his life, but he says, I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then verse 13 is the key. Notice that. It says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So how are you, as a Christian, going to be able to rejoice in the Lord? How are you going to be able to praise the Lord always, to always be thankful to Him? Well, it's through the strength of Christ, right? Through Him, reliance on Him, and the Holy Spirit produces that joy and love and peace, right? Um, but all of that, but again, it, activities involved in that, Psalm 100 are we know that the Lord is God. Uh, We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. We're to enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. We're to be thankful unto Him. We're to bless His name. And then, uh, again, for sake of time, let me, the Roman numeral number three, notice the reasons given for praising Him. The reasons given for praising Him. There's two things there, his relationship, his uh, three, his attributes, and then his intersection with us. how he we'll uh, explain that in a second, but his relationship. So in this psalm, he's said to be the Lord. it's It's kind of throughout here, all right? The word, notice the word Lord there, that is actually what we would call the proper name of God, the Lord it's it's uh Representative of the of the name Jehovah or Yahweh. So there's just people argue about how it should be pronounced, but um, it's the phrase in Exodus chapter three, "I am." Remember, in several times in the Gospels, particularly in the book of John, uh, the Jews, the Jewish leaders, got very upset at Jesus because he used the phrase "I am." They knew exactly what that was about. It's funny because there are some people that say Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, they haven't read the Bible, but anyway, um, I am. Now, the essence of this name is, he's the self-existing one. He just, it's kinda like this, he just is. You don't talk about God in the past, like he was. Because everything that he all you know that he ever was, he he still is and always will be. He is. That's again. We we naturally we naturally think of life in past, present, and future. God's not bound by time. God created time for man. God is as another guy. I know he says. Uh, is a radio program and he always uses a statement god dwells outside our time domain god created time for us he's not bound by time that's why it, it, he just eternally is he is and whatever proper descriptions and statements about him are true he is that um but he's lord he is uh, Again, He's self-existing, self-sustaining. He needs nothing. I've heard preachers say, and people say that God needed fellowship. That's why He created man. God doesn't need anything. He is totally self-sustaining. He needs absolutely nothing. He decided to create man. And yes, He desires to have a relationship and fellowship with man but that's different than he needs that. He doesn't need a thing. He is completely 100% whole in who he is. Again, that's hard for us to understand because none of us are that way. Man, remember God created Adam, and then he ended up making Eve out of Adam because man was incomplete. He didn't make man because God was incomplete, but man was incomplete. I mean, again, he's Lord. He's he's God. He's creator. He's our owner. We're his, right? He's our shepherd. And and in every one of these statements, there's a lot you could stop and think about. And I, I encourage you to be thinking about, excuse me, these designations. I mean, a shepherd. Who has the responsibility in a shepherd-sheep relationship? Or maybe I should say it this way. Who has the greatest responsibility? The shepherd. He's the one that provides for, that protects, that, you know, sees that the sheep are nurtured. I mean, the sheep basically have one responsibility. Just to follow the shepherd. I mean... We think about life. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed with life. You ever been there? But really, he's the one that has the responsibility in it. We just simply need to follow him. His attributes, and I'm I'm trying to hurry through this, so don't leave you hanging with this, but uh, I'm not sure. Okay, you got four statements there, right? Four numbers, right? He's... And these go with really his names and so on here. But he's, he's eternal, self-existing, all-powerful, all-wise. All right, because he's the creator. Think about this. It demands that he's all-powerful and that he's all-wise. I mean, think about this. God didn't have to, you know, his creation wasn't trial and error. He didn't, you know, make several men until he got it right? I mean, when we make something, you know, we sometimes have to play around with something to, oh, yeah, oh, I cut that wrong, or, you know, I mean, but God didn't have to do that. It it was like no effort for him, because he is all-powerful and all-wise. He didn't need to sit around and have a brainstorming session on how to do this and what to do. And that's amazing when you when you look at the complexity that's involved in in life, even simple things in this world, but particularly I mean man and and amazing anyway he's good that's number two under his attributes he's good verse you can see that in verse five verse five also number three he's ever merciful these are the way I worded these verse four or no, verse five also number four on there he's constantly right his truth endureth forever he is always right. He's always true. His intersection with man, and I'm going to stop with this. I mean, think about This this is a paradox, an oxymoron maybe as somebody might say. He is so high, but yet he is so approachable. That's amazing. And again, he wants us to be there in his presence. Practice Psalm 100, and we can be there. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for, again, just so many things. Just the fact that you love us, you care for us, care about us, you desire to have a relationship and fellowship with us. Help us to desire that as well, and be and do what we ought to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.